Hello, I'm Montana. And I'm Samantha. And you're listening to Reaper Tales. And today I'm going to tell Samantha and our two friend, our fans about the West Virginia Penitentiary in Moundsville, West Virginia. But before we get started, Sam, what are we drinking? Today we are drinking Prison Bitch Cocktail. <laughs> I sent the idea of the title to Montana, and she voted it yes because she wanted me to say it. I wanted her to say bitch. (laughs) As if I don't. Uh, It is one ounce of vodka, a half an ounce of triple sec, two ounces cranberry juice, two ounces of orange juice, and a half ounce of amaretto. You're just going to shake them all up and pour them in a tall glass. So, cheers. Cheers. Pretty tasty. Not bad. So, Sam, are you ready to hear about the West Virginia Penitentiary? I am. When you told me that it was about a penitentiary, I couldn't wait. I have so much information on this. Surprise. I'm so excited. Shocking. Uh, before I get started, I'm going to give my resources. Um I got information from the WVPentours.com, of course, Wikipedia, my go-to, legendsofamerica.com, and that's it. Not as many things as normal, but all very good things. So, the West Virginia Penitentiary was built in 1866. And from the WV Pentours website, it states that built in 1866 and decommissioned in 1995, this former state penitentiary now offers day tours, paranormal investigations, escape rooms, a haunted house in October, and large events in our event center. So I looked this up to see like what kind of events they were having. People have their weddings here. What? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that's a memory. <laughs> I was just, I was shook because I, I, you can actually go on to uh, the WV Pen Tours website and it has like a drone tour of the entire outside and the inside of the penitentiary. And I'm just like, why would anyone want their wedding here? But okay, sure. So where did you get married? In a jail? Hmm. Were, were, were you currently in jail? Like for something? I don't know. Well, no. Not at that time, but. <laughs> <laughs> memories, so. it's where we met. <laughs> oh, the memories. <laughs> so to give a little bit of an idea of the design of the prison. I'm not going to go into the full details of the design of the prison, but I'm an, we're going to post pictures on our social medias so that you can go and look at them, but I also wanted to describe it a little bit. So the West Virginia Penitentiary is a Gothic-style prison located in Moundsville, West Virginia. The penitentiary's design is similar to the facility in state of the state prison in Juliet, Illinois. Um, is it Illinois or is it Illinois? Illinois. Illinois. My bad. <laughs> it has a castellated 
gothic stone structures um, complete with turrets and battlements, except it is scaled down to half the size. Unfortunately, the original architectural designs have been lost, but to give kind of a like brief understanding of what it looks like on the outside, um, the prison yard is a parallelogram shape, and it's like 82 feet in length by like 350-odd length the other way. There's uh, the stone... I had to take a second and remember my geometry and remember what a parallelogram was. <laughs> I did, too. When I wrote that down, I was like, what is a parallelogram? You know what? Forget it. I don't know. It's, it's been a while <laughs> since I was in high school, so... I didn't remember it. I just Googled it. So oh. <laughs> if you are like me and you don't remember what a parallelogram is because high school was 15 years ago, Google's a great way to find out. Um, the stone walls uh, on the outside of that yard are five feet thick at the base, so at the bottom, and they taper to half of that at the top. So they're five feet wide, and then they go to two and a half feet at the very top. Okay. Do they normally do that now, I wonder? I don't... Well, most of... Paper it like that? Most of the times, prison yards aren't made of stone like this. They're made of, like, you know, that wire and chain link fence and stuff. Fair. So... um, (laughs) The center tower section is 682 feet long, and it lies on the western side of the complex along the Jefferson Avenue, and it's it's considered the front of the penitentiary, as this is where the main entrance is. The walls here are 25 feet, 24 feet high, and 6 feet in width at the base. So just like the outside, where it's 5 feet in width at the base, the ones on the inside are 6 feet in width at the base, and they taper up to 18 inches towards the top. Boy, they really like that tapering, tapering yeah. effect. <laughs> Well, I mean, you want thick walls. You don't want people to break out, right? Yeah, but I don't know that they typically taper it. Wouldn't they normally keep it the same all the way up? Maybe. Maybe it's just so heavy. I don't know. I didn't see why they did it. I had just assumed it was like a security thing. Yeah, I wonder if it's harder to climb for some reason. Who knows? So I I guess you didn't talk to the, the architecture. I didn't. I I couldn't get him on the horn, uh, (laughs) considering, you know, it was built in 1866. Excuses. I know. I always have an excuse for it. (laughs) To give a little bit of a history background on how this state penitentiary came about, uh, it actually took a few years to come into fruition. Um because if you remember, in 1863, West Virginia succeeded from Virginia at the height of the American Civil War. Oh, obviously, I remember that. Yeah, totally. Again, it's been 15 plus years. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm trying to school you here. <laughs> okay, I appreciate it. I, it's a nice review. So, the new state had a shortage of various public institutions, including prisons. From 1863 to 1866, Governor Arthur Borman lobbied the West Virginia legislature for state 
for a state penitentiary, but was repeatedly denied. The legislature at first directed him to send the prisoners to other institutions out of state, and then they directed him to use existing county jails, which turned out to be a pretty terrible idea. After nine inmates escaped in 1965, the local press took up the cause and the legislature took action. On February 7th, 1866, the state legislature approved the purchase of the land in Moundsville for the purpose of constructing a state prison. Ten acres were purchased just outside of the city limits of Moundsville for $3,000. And I know before you ask me, I went ahead and converted it. And $3,000 in 1866 in today's money is $54,548, which is still not That's still a steal. (laughs) For 10 acres. I looked that up and I was like, that can't be right. So I went to like other websites and I was like, oh, it is right. That's that's still a really good deal. (laughs) I'd pay that for 10 acres. I wonder if they got a special deal because it was, you know... Who it was buying it. Yeah, like a government grant or something. I don't know. Who knows? We'll never know. It was the 1800s. Uh, (laughs) Moundsville proved an attractive site as it's uh, approximately 12 miles south of Wheeling, West Virginia, which at the time was the state capital. So we wanted it close? I guess we wanted it close to our government officials okay i feel like they don't do that anymore (laughs) i don't think they do i could be wrong i don't know anything about prisons except for this one i mean fair enough but you know you've got all of those signs it's like don't pick up any hitchhikers right outside (laughs) prisons for like 10 miles outside (laughs) prisons yeah i never knew what those were for for until like (laughs) six years ago and my husband was like I, i asked him i was like why do people need signs for that? Like, I just feel like it's common sense not to pick up hitchhikers. And he goes, because that right there, as we passed a prison, is a prison. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Good to know. You're one of the ones that needed that sign. <laughs> the more you know. I, I never pick up a hitchhiker. Are you kidding me? Well, you know, prison I no mean, prison. I have a rehab not that far away from me. And there's no signs like that. Although there should be. Anybody breaks out of there, True. I'm going to be a little careful. Might want to be just, just a tad careful. <laughs> Maybe not as careful as like around a prison. but Sure, but still. Yeah. So the state built a temporary wooden prison nearby that summer. This gave prison officials time to assess what prison design should be used. They ended up choosing that Northern Illinois penitentiary penitentiary in Juliet and its design only slightly modified it's gothic revival architecture exhibited as much as possible great strength and conveyed to the mind a cheerless blank indicative of the misery which awaits the unhappy beings who enter within its walls okay I think we've missed the mark of what prison should be just a little bit just yeah i don't think you're supposed i mean i don't want anyone to be happy in prison i think it's supposed to be about reform but you know that's my opinion i mean exactly but we want them to be miserable 
and see what's a, what awaits them. Like, okay, I kind of get it, but I feel like you would only have that mindset if you don't plan on ever letting these people out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I 100% agree. The first building constructed on the site was the North Wagon Gate. It was made with hand-cut sandstone, which was quarried from a local site. The state used prison labor during the construction process and worked and work continued on this first phase until 1876. When completed, the total cost was $363,061. I didn't convert this because after seeing that other one, I didn't care. <laughs> Fair enough. I feel like that would be a little bit more, though. I'm just slightly, you know, only slightly. It was expensive. It was expensive, to say the least. In addition to the North Wagon Gate, there was now North and South cell block areas, both measuring 300 feet by 52 feet. South Hall had 224 cells, and these cells were 7 feet by 4 feet, and North Hall had a kitchen, dining area, hospital, and chapel. A four-story tower connecting the two was the administration building, measuring 75 feet by 75 feet including space for female inmates and personal living quarters for the warden and his family. The facility officially opened in this year, and it had a prison population of 251 male inmates, including some who had helped construct the prison where they were incarcerated. After this phase, work began on the prison workshops and other secondary facilities. So I read somewhere that... <clears throat> While it said that there were female prisoners, and I, I forgot to write this down, they didn't stay for long. Okay. So it was an all-male like prison. Correct me if I'm wrong, because you read off a lot of numbers. But so when they got the prisoners there, they were almost like full when they mm -hmm. first opened it. So uh, the South Hall had 224 cells. And the prison population when it opened was 251. Whew. Yeah. Okay. But they, yes. So they were already overloaded. And that becomes a problem. Well, I imagine so. Yeah. You better hope nobody else does anything. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, they do continue to, like, add on to it over the years and things like that. Oh, I figured. On the day-to-day -day operations... In addition to the construction, the inmates had other jobs to do in support of the prison. In the early 1900s, some industries within the prison walls included a carpentry shop, a paint shop, a wagon shop, a stone yard, a brickyard, a blacksmith, a tailor, a bakery, and a hospital. At the same time, revenue from the prison farm and inmate labor helped the prison financially. It was virtually self-sufficient. A prison coal mine located a mile away opened in 1921. This mine helped fill some of the prison's energy needs and saved the state an estimated $14,000 a year. Some inmates were allowed to stay at the mine's camp under the supervision of a mine foreman. And that foreman was not employed by the prison. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm already seeing some uh, incentive. 
I financial mean, yeah. incentive. Oh, for free sure. labor, quote unquote free. Yeah, it's a prison. That's all prison is. Well, I mean, in theory, you could use those things to teach them a trade that they could then use once they were no longer in prison that they may not have had before they entered it. We will get to it. In theory. <laughs> we will get to it. In theory. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Conditions. In of- all fairness, this is basically what happened the entire time I was going over my last case. No, I know. So- <laughs> I'm so sorry about it. <laughs> Conditions at the prison. There it is. That's a one <laughs> yeah, time. One. Conditions at the prison during the turn of the 20th century were good, according to the warden's reports, which stated that both the quantity and quality of all pro- uh, purchases of material, food, and clothing have been very gradually but steadily improved. While the discipline has become more nearly perfect and the exaction of labor less stringent. Education was a priority for the inmates during this time. They regularly attended class. Construction of a school and library was completed in the year 1900 to help reform and educate inmates. So they okay. were they were making steps and strides toward rehabilitating prisoners in the early 1900s. This was how many years after it had opened? 40? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seemed, seemed like they were on the right track. Or whatever. However, the conditions at the prison worsened through the years. <laughs> and the facility would be ranked on the United States Department of Justice top 10 most violent correctional facilities oh. list. When well, that the- took a turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty quickly. Uh, one of the more infamous locations in the prison with instances of gambling, fighting, and raping was a recreation room known as the Sugar Shag. So this is like where prisoners would go and just like chill out and do like dirty deeds. Okay. Pretty sure they beat up a bunch of people there too. Sounds like it. So not great. Maybe less supervision there, I would assume. That's why they got away with it. It's not just about supervision. (laughs) Okay. Uh, A notable inmate in the early 20th century uh, was labor activist Eugene V. Debs, who served time here from April 13th to June 14th in 1919, at which time he was transferred to an Atlanta prison on charges of violating the Espionage Act, which I had never heard of. You never and... heard of the Espion- Espionage Act? No. <laughs> and um, I didn't look okay. it up because, I don't know. <laughs> um, the... They're assuming that he's a spy, basically. Oh. Like, at least that's, from what I understand, it was like releasing information to other countries and that sort of thing. It was a big, I mean, I guess it had been enacted at that time. Because that's what was the big deal. That's the big deal that happened during the Cold War. You know what, now I want to (laughs) know. You should have looked it up. And I'm going to. You're going to Google it, aren't you? (laughs) Oh, he was a socialist. Yep. See, there you go. I mean, Uh, that was pretty much the prerequisite during the Cold War, too. Yeah, don't be a socialist. If you believe in anything other than democracy, we're going to assume that you're siding with Russia. That's basically how it worked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyways. Anyway, 
1929, the state decided uh, to double the size of the penitentiary because overcrowding was a problem. The five foot five by seven foot cells were too small to hold three prisoners at a time. But until the expansion, there was no other option. Two prisoners would sleep in the bunks with the third sleeping on a ma- on the mattress on the floor. When it was originally built, you said to house this many prisoners, right? Not how many cells. No, uh, that's how many cells. That's not... They didn't say in any of my research at the beginning that that's how many people they were going to house. Okay, so in theory, maybe they had planned on having two per cell because there's bunk beds. Maybe, but never three. Well, no, I wouldn't think so. Okay. So just to give you an idea, if you go to your email... Sam, you can see the picture of the cell in there. And it should be rock, paper, scissors to see who slept on the floor. Bitch, I wouldn't be sleeping on the floor. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It should be the sixth picture in there. And that's how big the cells were. Uh uh. Nope. Yeah, they're tiny. That's terrible. Yeah. It's crazy. Hmm. Okay. So the state used prison labor again, and completed this phase of construction in 1959. The construction had been delayed by a steel shortage during World War II, which, I mean, everything had been delayed during that time. But They had other concerns. Is what it is. We're going to move on to some fun facts. Are you ready? (laughs) I feel like it's not really going to be fun, but let's go ahead. No. In total, 36 homicides took place in the prison. That's a hell of a place to start. (laughs) Yeah. One of the more notable ones is the butchering of R.D. Wall, inmate number 44670, on October 8th, 1929. After, quote-unquote, snitching on his fellow inmates, he was attacked while heading to the boiler room by three prisoners with dull shivs. Can you imagine dying by dull shivs? No, I'd rather not. No, I would rather not either. <laughs> Another little fun fact is in 1983, convicted multiple murderer Charles Manson requested to be transferred to this prison to be nearer to his family. His request oh, was denied. How touching. Suck it, Manson. <laughs> he had no shortage of followers, so I don't think he really needed that. No, no, he didn't. On Wednesday, November 7th, 1979, 15 prisoners escaped from the prison. 15! <laughs> okay. That's it? That's all you got to say about that? I, I'm waiting on you to continue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I don't have words, but okay, go ahead. One of the escapees was Ronald Turney Williams, serving time for murdering Sergeant David Lilly of the Beckley Police Department on May 12th, 1975. He managed to steal a prison guard's service weapon in the escape, and upon reaching the streets of Moundsville, encountered 23-year-old off-duty West Virginia State Trooper Philip S. Kessner, who was driving past the prison with his wife. Trooper Kessner saw the escapees and attempted to take action against them. The prisoners pulled him from his car, and Williams shot him. Trooper Kessner returned fire at the fleeing suspects despite being mortally wounded. Wow. Yeah. Well, then I was thinking, too, you were like 15. Okay, well, that's only five cells. 
That's only five cells. <laughs> so Williams remained at large for 18 months, which I don't think I've heard a lot of. I've either heard of people escaping from prison and never being found again or escaping from prison and being found within like two weeks. Yeah. But this is the only one that's mentioned by name. The person. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple more that are mentioned in here. So I guess the other ones got caught before they went too far. I don't know. Exactly. I think they were, I think, I think they split up at some point and here's why. So here's why I think that. Williams remained at large for 18 months, sending taunting notes to the authorities and making the FBI's 10 most wanted list. During that time, he murdered John Buncheck in Scottsdale, Arizona. So he went from West Virginia to Arizona during a robbery and was connected to crimes in Colorado and Pennsylvania. So your boy got around. (laughs) To say the least. All right. And this was what year? This was in 1979. Okay. Uh, I I bet the boy was hitchhiking, too. Probably. I mean, that was a hot time for hitchhiking Mm -hmm. in the 70s. It was the end of the 70s. So after a shootout with federal agents at George Washington Hotel in New York City in 1981, he was apprehended and returned to West Virginia uh, to complete several life sentences. Arizona had sought his extradition for his um, execution because Arizona has has the death penalty and he killed somebody there. Mm -hmm. But as of June 6, 2022, he remains in West Virginia custody. Obviously not at this prison still, though. Yeah. How old? Did it say how old he would be at that point? Mm -mm, It doesn't. um, I would assume he'd probably be around your dad's age i mean well i'm just thinking like he's probably late 20s early 30s when he was doing like getting out in what 79 yeah so you're talking 70s maybe yeah but i as of yesterday he's still in west virginia custody all right bro's still living he's still kicking at the time marshall county sheriff Robert Leitner was very critical about poor police communications during the break. The sheriff's office and local police did not learn about the escape from the state from the state police. They first heard of it over the police scanner. It was a good 20 minutes before we knew about the escape. If somebody had notified us, there's a good chance that the sheriff's department and the Moundsville police could have been on the scene while all the prisoners were still on the block. He was also critical of the four-state manhunt that followed when convicted murderer David Morgan and Ronald T. Williams, along with convicted rapist Harold Gowers Jr., remained at large. So those are three of the 15. Right. Communications have been very poor. I think that they should keep the local law enforcement officers more informed. I have no idea what they're doing what they found end quote that's a quote by him sorry i forgot to go quote unquote yeah how unprofessional so another example of like the pride getting in the way and not involving other enforcement agencies to assist in something that oh i don't know is kind of important 
Yeah, and especially when uh, I can get on a soapbox about how privatized prisons and blah, blah, blah. And while this one's not like a privatized prison, they were pretty much self-sufficient or quote unquote self-sufficient. So they have I mean, it's like these, this is not even a, a, just like a case where we're trying to find who did it. These are convicted people. Yeah, they don't they don't need to go to another trial. We just need we just need you to back. catch them. Just br- just bring them back. But you also have to think like if the prison if it gets out that the prison allowed 15 prisoners to escape, it doesn't look very good. I also don't think it looks good for any number of them to escape and then proceed to kill other people. Uh, I would agree. Even yeah. if only one out of the 15 was free, i.e. that happened, and killed one other person after being convicted and already being in a penitentiary. For also killing another officer. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hmm. Okay. Okay. Oh. Feeling real safe right now. So escapes weren't the only thing that the West Virginia penitentiary had suffered or dealt with. They also dealt with riots. Surprise. Which is not shocking. On January 1st, 1986, the most infamous riot in the history of penitentiaries occurred. The West Virginia penitentiary was undergoing many changes and problems, and security had become extremely thin in all areas. Since it was a cons prison, most of the locks on the cells had been picked, and inmates roamed the halls freely. Bad plumbing and insects caused rapid spreading of various diseases. The prison was holding more than 2,000 men, and crowding was an issue. You think? Uh, Yeah. Had it been expanded? I mean, I'm assuming it's been expanded by this point. So they had expanded it by this point, but you're st- it's still it's still not as big as it needs to be by any means. Two thousand. That's ten times. It is. It is. Okay. Can't put ten people in each cell. <laughs> and I I read some of like the first hand stuff on this and uh, from the prisoners that were in there, and they were just like we constantly had to deal with like rodents. And cockroaches. Like you would be sleeping and you'd have to wake up every few minutes and knock them off of you. <laughs> it was disgusting. And Based like on those pictures that you sent, I believe it. Yeah. And I'm not like sympathizing with the prisoners, but there is a, uh, a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. And you can keep somebody in prison, but you should be required to give them the basic human rights and basic human hygiene. And that. That wasn't it. That wasn't it. I mean, there's a difference between saying, oh, we're, we're going to give them oatmeal for breakfast because that's cheap. And people yelling because they think they're getting eggs and steak in the morning. It's a whole other thing when they're waking up to rats and cockroaches on them several times throughout the night. That's just. Yeah. That's too much. Yeah. That's subhuman. It is. Another major contribution to the riots cause was the fact that it was a holiday many of the officers had called off work and prisoners planned the to conduct their uprising on the specific day because of this at around 5 30 p.m 20 inmates known as a group called the avengers hi (laughs) not the marvel characters thank you for the clarification (laughs) I was going to ask which one was Captain America. (laughs) Super clear. It's 
<laughs> Not my real character. <laughs> the Avengers stormed the mess hall <laughs> with their shield of Captain America. <laughs> I can't I, help it. It's definitely bringing an image. I don't know. This is like this, this is, is like end game. Iron Man suit and uh, some dude that shoots spider webs out of his hands. <laughs> And I can't. No, that's all I'm thinking about. <laughs> so the Avengers stormed the mess hall where Captain... Stop laughing, Samantha. I can't help it. Where Captain Glass... Glass... <laughs> this whole episode has just deteriorated into nothing. <laughs> All I can see are the characters of the Avengers running through this penitentiary. I can't help Only it. Only they have mullets because it's the <laughs> uh, I know this was probably way before the comics were even made, but I can't help it. Okay. It is, it is what it is. All right. All right. All right. All right. So the Avengers stormed the mess hall where Captain Glassock and others were on duty. Within seconds, he, Captain Glassock, five other officers, and a food service worker were tackled and slammed to the floor. Inmates put knives to their throats and handcuffed them with their own handcuffs. Although several hostages were taken throughout the day, none of them were seriously injured. However, over the course of the two-day upheaval, three inmates were killed for an assortment of reasons. The inmates who initiated the riot were not prepared to take charge of it. Danny Lehman, the Avengers president, was quickly agreed upon as best suited for the task of negotiating with authorities and presenting the demands to the media. Yet Lehman was not a part of the 20 men who began the riot. Governor Ark A. Moore Jr. went to the penitentiary to talk to the inmates this meeting set up a new list of rules and standards on which the prison would build. National and local news covered the story, as well as the inmates meeting with the governor. So basically, they just wanted basic human rights and necessities within the prison, and they did what they had to do. I mean, it sounds n less violent than it definitely could have been. I think so. I mean, I know that there were people who were... There were people who were killed during that, but I'm pretty sure those were other prisoners, and it was probably just one of those situations where it had nothing to do with the riot itself and everything to do with the fact that they were able to at that time. Yeah. Because it was of a the mess. riot. Yeah. Let's talk about executions. Yeah, I saw that picture. Yeah. Well, this is about to get a little bit gruesome. Um, trigger warning. Trigger warning. Uh, from 1899 to 1959, 94 men were executed at the prison. Hanging was the method of execution until 1949, with 85 men meeting that fate. The public at this time could attend hangings, which were public until June 19, 1932. On that date, Frank Heyer was executed for murdering his wife. This is where the trigger warning is going to come in, so if you want to skip forward 30 seconds, go for it. Frank Heyer was executed for murdering his wife. When the trap door beneath him was opened and his full weight settled on the noose, he was instantly decapitated. 
following oh. this yeah following this event attendance at hangings was by invitation only the last man executed by hanging was bud peterson from logan county and he was buried in the prison cemetery because his family re- refused to claim his body so there is a picture of the prison cemetery that i sent to you too Okay. In case you want to yeah, look I at think that. I saw that. That was a heck of a drop. Yeah. Uh, I mean, very... on the bright side, there wasn't any kind of suffering. Um, I don't, I don't know. Maybe not. But for, so that's what was on Wikipedia. What I read on a different article basically said that they, they did the measurements, but that um, Frank hires neck muscles weren't as strong as they normally are in people and so that's why it was an instant just okay so i mean that makes sense interesting it's interesting that they continued to do hangings after that but you know whatever and then they had to do by invitation only are you telling me they had to tell people not to go Uh, i feel like everybody there would be traumatized and not want to go you would think after that but but well, I mean, why are they there in the first time. place? I'm sorry. That's still. People are weird. Oh, no. It, uh, public executions used to be a huge like spectacle. Yeah. I mean, I know. I just I still don't understand it. It's one thing when you have the victims families there. Just a random passerby or bystander. Just what are you doing today? Oh, I'm going to that hanging that's happening down the road. You got nothing else to do. You're going to meet you going to meet me there. Yeah. I'll, I'll bring the beer. It was like going to a football game. Ugh. Yeah, gross. it's disgusting. Well, I mean, I guess they had very limited entertainment, so. Yeah, true. Beginning in 1951, electrocution became the means of execution. The electric chair, nicknamed Old Sparky. And I sent you a picture of Old Sparky. Yeah, I saw it. Use- I wondered if it was nicknamed Old Sparky. <laughs> I think a I lot think that's of them the, were. I, Yeah, I think that's what they called the one in Georgia, too. Yeah, pretty sure. And that one was like that, right? Yeah. (laughs) And they still used it. Old Sparky, used by the prison, was originally built by an inmate there, Paul Glenn. Okay. Nine men were electrocuted before the state prohibited capital punishment entirely in 1965. Finally. The last execution carried out in the state's electric chair was that of Elmer Bruner in April 3rd, 1959. The original chair is on display in the facility and is included in the official tour. So uh, from what I read, the chair is actually, when you go through the entrance, it's right there in the entrance. So it's one of the first things that you see. Lovely. Yeah. Talk about a welcoming mat. Especially if you're going through there for the haunted house tour. Yeah. During its 119 year life as a penitentiary, the facility held some of the most violent killers, rapists, and other criminals, many of whom never left the institution alive. It comes as no surprise that this type of environment would leave behind more than a few wandering spirits. I mean, I can imagine. I don't know that I would be able to go there, honestly, even for just like a tour during the day. Yeah, no kidding. I, it looks so. I did. You I can, certainly wouldn't have a wedding there. I'm sorry, that just would not be happening. Yeah, no kidding. I'll link it in the show notes, but I'll also send it to you uh, on the tour website. You can take a tour online with the drone, and you can oh, okay. look at like the actual facility outside and inside. It's pretty cool. 
Um, I mean, it looks terrible, but it's pretty cool to be able to see like what you're actually talking about, you know? Yeah. Here's where we're going to get into the spooky stuff. Finally. Okay. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> Another reason this old building may be haunted is because it is said that it was built on an ancient Native American burial ground. Chill. This would not be hard to believe as the old prison was built directly across from the Grave Creek Mound. One of the largest conical type burial mounds in the United States. Members of the Adena culture moved more than 60,000 tons of dirt to create it in about 250 to 150 BC. Some believe that native energy from the deceased Native Americans infiltrated the prison, resulting in many of the paranormal events that have occurred there. So in the pictures that I sent you, you can see the mound. Mm -hmm. So it's there. It kind of looks like a um, tornado shelter. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. The door is sitting in it. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought, too, when I first saw it. Hauntings have been reported as early as the 1930s. During this time, an inmate was often spied walking along the maintenance area where prisoners were not allowed. In some cases, the guards set off alarms, but there was no one there and no inmates unaccounted for when they investigated. So we got some dead prisoner or some goofball out there walking around. <laughs> I mean, it's, it definitely could be a dead prisoner based oh, on the history. Listen, I 100% believe in ghosts. Same. The old recreation room in the basement called the Sugar Shack by prisoners. So that place where bad the, stuff happened. The, the stuff happened. Was once infamous for illegal gambling, drug deals, rape, fighting, and murder. Today, visitors report hearing unseen people arguing, talking, and whispering here. Others have heard unexplained noises and felt cold spots within the room. In addition to the recreation room, the whole basement area is said to be haunted by a maintenance man who once worked here. He was said to have often spied on the prisoners and was quick to report any news of infractions to the guards. In retaliation, he was stabbed several times with shivs when he was in the bathroom. Saw After, that coming. Yeah. Get, stitches, snitches get stitches. Stitches get snitches. <laughs> I was so quick with it. And I was just so wrong oh, with it. You're so close. <laughs> so far away. I need some sleep. <laughs> you really do. After his death, this ghost was said to wander around in the basement area and some people have recorded... Uh, reported equipment uh, malfunctions. Better not do anything while you're down there with him because he's not. Nah, he's going to tattle on you 100%. <laughs> Don't be kissing nobody you shouldn't be kissing. Don't be texting nobody you shouldn't be texting. Maintenance man's going to tell on you. Well, shoot, the, the, as far as the devices, he just shuts them down. Probably. He's a ghost. I mean, that's what, that's what you said. Like, there's oh, yeah, malfunctions. malfunctions. So he just. Screw that. I can handle that He's part. He's just like, bitch, but... you know you better not be texting. <laughs> <laughs> you ought to know better. <laughs> so the North Gate, the North Wagon Gate, the prison's oldest structure. So this was one of the one of this was one of the first structures that they built um, okay. in the beginning. Is said to be the home of one of the prison's most active ghosts. This area once held the execution gallows where a man named Orville 
Adkins. <laughs> and I just, one of my friends is named Orville. <laughs> oh, that's right. And he listens to this. <laughs> I'm sorry, Orville. <laughs> Such uh, an uncommon name, too. Yeah, I know. Orville Atkins was hanged in 1938. Here, visitors say the area exudes an evil feeling, and they feel as if they're being watched. Mysterious sounds and voices have been captured on, in EV, on EVPs, and ghosts of the condemned are sometimes seen. The gate is haunted by Orville Atkins, who was condemned for kidnapping... Kip, kip, you need sleep was condemned for kidnapping why can't i say that <laughs> kid napping who was condemned for kidnapping a minister who was later found dead however his execution was botched here's another one as the noose was being placed around his neck a nervous assistant pulled the trap door handle too quickly and oh. orville fell 20 feet to the stone walkway Though he was stunned and hurt, he was still alive. He was then pulled back up to the scaffold and hanged correctly. His foot Oh my gosh, how terrible would that be? It would be fucking awful. I just would feel like, I would feel like you'd get a freebie at that point. I mean, y'all screwed it up. I was only condemned to one and y'all screwed up that one. Yeah. So, I only had to be I did once. my part. Yeah. Just because you did it wrong didn't mean, meh, meh, uh, there's a loophole somewhere. <laughs> His footsteps are said to be heard slowly pacing back and forth. Uh, yeah, I would too. You botched by death and then I had to relive it. Like, what are you doing? I'm sticking around to screw you guys over for the rest of all time. I can't wait to hear what Orville thinks of this. <laughs> <laughs> The North Hall where was where the prison's worst offenders were placed. Not for the crimes they committed outside, but for their violent behavior on the inside. Though they were locked down in their cells for 23 hours a day, two murders occurred here. One was a biker named Danny, who was stabbed in the eye by another inmate and died of a hemorrhage. The other was William Red Snyder, who was convicted of murdering his parents and dismembering their corpses. Red was disliked by many inmates and involved in several fights. In the end, he was attacked in front of his cell and fatally stabbed 37 times. Whoa. That's a lot of stabbing. <laughs> he was really not liked. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> the hall has been the site of many strange events, including photographic anomalies, equipment malfunctions, the sound of cell doors banging when no one is in there. Many have reported feeling very uncomfortable there. Red Snyder's cell is said to be particularly haunted. I mean, I'd be uncomfortable everywhere in that building personally, but... I mean, yeah. Just like I said, looking at the drone tour, I was like, oh, this place looks icky. <sighs> looks super icky. <laughs> Just wait until we do some that you can tour with us before we do the cases so we can do post uh post for it i'm looking forward to it <sighs> i thought about waiting to do this one so we could do a tour and then i looked at nope. it online and i was like hey gross i don't want to go here no nope. <laughs> vetoed but people are having their weddings there so what do i know um mm -mm. 
They are not right in the head. I'm sorry. So you you can see the solitary confinement photo, right? That I sent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the solitary confinement area, people have often refor- reported feeling cold spots and as if they have been touched on their backs. Like, okay, get the fuck out of there. Uh-huh. No thanks. If it feels like somebody's touching me and nobody's there, I'm out. I'm not just leaving the building. I'm leaving the state and if possible, leaving the country. I'm going to go take a vacation elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. Other hot spots include death row. Duh. The psych ward. Again, duh. Duh. The chapel. Weird, but duh. <laughs> Shower cages. I don't know what the fuck was going on in there. Don't want to um... know. Dining room and boiler room. So pretty much everywhere. Well, it's it seems like it's like the co- a lot of those were the common areas. Yeah. So that actually does make sense because it's probably where a lot of, honestly, a lot of violence happened. Wait, was the psych ward a common area? I mean, I said a lot of those, not all of them, but. <laughs> it's not. It's... <laughs> Just to clarify. But it wouldn't surprise me if it was. I mean, I think a lot of them have like open areas within the psych ward where they can mingle. Um, all the great, all the different types of mental illnesses get together and maybe that's easier plus they were shorthanded so there's no telling but outside of that i I did mean the normal common areas like i got you places where they ate the showers i mean a lot of people were there so i feel like that's where a lot of the violence i mean do you so it makes sense in the shower (laughs) i mean i'm not there i'm not there to judge don't be weird but do whatever you gotta do in the shower outside of rape um So there is one particular entity that is called the Shadow Man because he lurks in dark places and has no visible features. He has been described as appearing like a dark shadow that is very intimidating. Throughout the prison, visitors and staff report seeing fleeting glimpses of apparitions, smelling unpleasant odors, duh, it's an old prison, Yeah. strange noises and echoes, feelings of being watched and displaced disembodied voices that say help i'm trapped i feel like that's just a kid somewhere like fucking with people help me i'm trapped it's definitely possible also based on the pictures that you sent it doesn't look like that thing's been cleaned ever ever no so the smell thing is definitely not a surprise no not at all visitors have felt uh, brushed, tapped, and even shoved by invisible hands and cameras have captured ghostly mists, faces, figures, and orbs. Nope. Some have been seen. Some have seen the ghosts of prisoners in uniforms walking the halls and disappearing into walls. The West Virginia Penitentiary is considered one of the most haunted prisons in all of the United States today. It is also listed on the National Registry for historical places. Visitors can visit the prison and can experience 90 minutes a day, or sorry, 90 minutes in a day tour, three-hour investigations, overnight investigations, and various events from April through December, including your fucking wedding, apparently. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I mean, whatever you got to do to make money, right? Exactly. So I do want to give like a few little fun facts about it. Um, I thought we already did that. Well, some different fun facts uh, about like 
okay, so for instance, um, here we go. There have been different things that have been recorded and filmed there. Um, so the most recent one was the Hulu original series Castle Rock, which is based on uh, Stephen King's work, was mm-hmm. filmed there. Oh, okay. The uh, so you know Shawshank Redemption, right? Yeah. So originally, I've heard of it. Um, I, I figured. <laughs> originally, they wanted to um, shoot Shawshank Redemption in this prison, but they ended up going with um, Ohio State Penitentiary instead. So, uh, external shots of the penitentiary were used for season one, episode nine of the Netflix original series Mindhunter. It's a oh, good show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to go through all of these, but it was also um, the pilot episode and the first episode for the MTV series Fear back in like the early 2000s. So, and they, they do have um, ghost hunters and paranormal investigators come in there and do shows all the time, but I don't really like those people because a lot of them can be aggressive to ghosts and I think that's just rude. Yeah, and... They dramatize a lot of it. Oh yeah, for where sure. it's not. I mean, just there's enough there. Mm-hmm. Just use what use what you get. Yeah. So that's the uh, West Virginia State Penitentiary. Did you enjoy right. that? I hope you enjoyed. That. I mean, it was fascinating, but also terrifying. And I know for a fact I never want to go there. I know I don't either. <laughs> I mean, I'm willing to go to some very creepy places. I've been to some very creepy places not like not ghost tours it wasn't a tour it was just me and my husband going through um the building but i've I've definitely been places where i have felt a certain level of discomfort above and beyond what i would expect in those buildings and i have definitely felt like not happy vibes just in general i don't know if that makes sense but it's not like a a a straight up ghost but just like there was some bad shit that happened here and i can like feel that atmosphere and i tried to tell him one time when we were going through one building and he was like oh really because he was completely clueless like he didn't he didn't get that at all no he's always like very very factual there's not a lot of feeling environment type things but i'm extremely empathetic so i can read a room fairly easily and quickly and i am affected by that that feeling that you can get sometimes um there was one building in particular i had to get out of like i felt it and immediately i was like all right we're leaving he's like well i'm not done looking at you can come back on your own and look at it Mm -hmm. i don't care I'm, i'm gone I feel like that would be this building. This yeah. Building. I, well, it would be the whole thing. Yeah. It wouldn't be like one area. I feel like it would be the whole thing. Yeah. Because it was. And it, it's... I'm, I'm getting that feeling just hearing about it. I'm not even near the <laughs> building. <laughs> well, it's it's so crazy to me because like there for a hot minute, it seemed like they were doing well. They were like rehabilitating prisoners. They had like them on the straight and narrow and then like all good things. It happens, you know. They got overpopulated. They got underfunded. They got underemployed and understaffed. Just, yeah, they just couldn't. Well, keep I mean, it was up. a perfect storm. It was. 
It was. But it is a beautiful building, quite frankly. On the outside of it, if you look at it, it's just, it's soup scorch. But on the inside, it's creepy as hell. How many buildings are like that, though, where you hear the ghost stories? True. We might we might cover more. We'll see. We might cover more. But I do want to thank um, my good friend Edith for suggesting this to me. Oh, our first recommendation? Yeah. Well, perfect. second, technically, because... Oh. Yeah, yours from last, case. last week. Yeah. So thanks, Edith. Shout out to you. My bestie. Except please, for you, Sam. please, please keep uh, making recommendations. Yeah, and you can make recommendations uh, on our Instagram. Where can they find us, Sam? At Reaper Tales Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Reaper Tales Podcast. And you can email us at reapergals at reapertales.com. Be sure to like and subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, that's how more people find out about us, and we'd really appreciate it. And don't leave a review about our mics because we got new ones. And I swear this is going to be the last time I say it. <laughs> <laughs> We're very proud of the new mics. We're so proud of it. And I don't know if, if we said it, but uh, thanks to my sister for one of those mics. Oh, uh, for sure. Shout out to her. Um, until next time. The reaper will come